Colossians chapter 2. If you have your Bible open with me, Colossians chapter chapter 2. We'll look at verse 6 and verse 7. Everyone's invited to eat with us today too. So if you're here and you didn't know about it, we have lunch today. You're encouraged to go downstairs with us and, and have lunch. Okay, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Colossians 2, 6, two verses that I think have a powerful word for us. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, being a Christian, God has done so many wonderful things for us. We can, we can walk and live in a victorious Christian life. We can get beyond the miseries of life that you may be experienced or may have experienced. Now, being a Christian doesn't solve all the problems. But it gives you a foundation from which you can work off of. And so much, so important to have a foundation of Christ. It, it's sort of like having, being in the mud, stuck in the mud, versus being on the concrete. Jesus is the foundation. The Bible teaches us throughout, throughout the New Testament that we can live a victorious Christian life as a Christian. Over in 1 John 4 it says this, Verse 4, chapter 4, 1 John. You're, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have the Holy Spirit living on us, which is Christ in us, and we can have a victorious Christian life. We can, we can overcome the miseries of life. Now, you can't prevent all the miseries of life. You can't prevent the terrible things from happening. And eventually they're going to t attack you. It's going to happen in your life. There's, there, but I'm talking about misery, right? And, and if you know anything about economics, if you read economics periodicals, they got an economic uh, misery index. Anybody know a misery index? Just to tell how miser miserable people are. Now, I think there ought to be a Christian misery index. See how miserable we are. Because some Christians are living in a lot of misery. Some, I can understand it, but many, we live below the expectation that God has for us. You know, there's things, certain things we cannot prevent from happening. Death of a loved one. You can't stop that. And that's going to put you through a time of, of, of suffering, a time of misery. You, you, you have to go, you can't stop that. We have no control over death. Sickness. Sickness happens. People disappoint you. People fail, disappoint you. Now, some people have terrible things happen to them, but they bounce right back. But then some people are miserable without terrible things happening in their life. Just miserable. Some people make us miserable, the people around us. So what, what, what are some things that are negatively affecting our life? The, the miserable uh, misery index. One, I'm, I'm going to share this with you, and you listen up as good advice. One, we, when we take too much upon ourselves, 
That can make you miserable. It's the right thing to be responsible. I'm not telling you not to be responsible. It's a part of life. It's important in life. And sometimes you get a mountain of responsibilities that come upon you. But then you can still take too much upon you because Jesus gave us an invitation over in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So even though you're supposed to carry those burdens that have been handed to you, you are not in this alone. And we need to lay those burdens upon Jesus. We need to come to him with our needs and with our labor and our heavy uh, laden. And we need to give it to him. And he says he'll give us rest. And then he also added to that, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. So I would tell you, you need to read the Gospels sometime soon. And you need to... Uh, not look at everything it's saying, but narrowly look at how Jesus responds to things. How he acts and how he responds. You'll find that sometimes Jesus left a group of people that were seeking him to get alone up in a mountain by himself. And we're told to get apart. We have to come apart, get apart before we come apart, right? So we take too much upon ourselves. We, 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 we feel that we can bear this alone, but we should not bear it alone. Jesus invited us to enter the yoke with him, and we need to let him bear the responsibilities, the troubles, the trials with him. And then he, we need to learn of him, learn how he dealt with it, and learn of him that he was meek and lowly, and we need to be careful of pride and not let pride swell up in our life and cause us problems. Now, you may be carrying a load, but you may be carrying the wrong load. Some people take things upon themselves that other people hand them. I, I, let, let me tell you from experience, I have been walking through this community for 40 years, and I can find someone every day that not only wants me to help them, they want to hand me all their responsibilities. They want to give. And when I was young in the ministry, I took them all on thinking it was my duty. But what did they do? They just went back out and got them another load bigger than the first one, and I wasn't helping them a bit. They have to learn to manage their own crisis. We need to carry responsibilities, bear it with Jesus, but we need to make sure it's the right responsibilities, not, not carrying the wrong. Somebody else's. Uh, it's, uh, it's been said, I'm, I'm just quoting, someone else's emergency doesn't become your priority. Now, take upon yourself to love the Lord, to love people, to help people, to witness people, and take the right burdens and not the wrong burdens. If you're frustrated, maybe you're going in the wrong direction. You know, sometimes we try to do things that are not in the will of God. We try to, to accomplish things that, that's not for us to accomplish. Need to think about it. That causes misery. If you're really going against the will of God, look out for misery. Because that is somehow the way that God directs us is, is through the misery index. He moves us and directs us. Now, another one. Uh, taking things that you have no control of. There are things that you and I have no control over. You have no control over what your grown kids do. You want to be miserable? 
Worry about that stuff. Somebody said, say it again. You can't control what your grown kids do. And you're going to be miserable trying to manage them. And don't let them, don't let them move back in with you. One thing you ought to do, make them work when they're kids and they'll never come home. There are things we have no control over. I think about death and dying. It's appointed and the man wants to die. We all have an appointment with death. You and I can't control that. Uh, you can eat right and die at 42. Now, I'm not encouraging you to eat like I do, eat wrong. But you can do everything right and die early. Have no control over it. Another cause of misery, the misery index, is letting someone, someone's negativity get into your mind. I mean, you can listen to someone and listen to someone, and you can say, you know, I'm not letting that bother me. But if you keep listening, it's going to bother you. It's going to get in your mind. The people will destroy your peace of mind. Now listen, God, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Hey, that's not a perfect bed of roses. That's not, that's not what he's promising. But you cannot live the abundant life when you let someone tear your mind down with negativity. Now listen, there are things that people say about Christians and say about the church that is negative. You know, I, I used to think it was only about New Salem that people said things that. But I went to preach this revival where I was at uh, three weeks ago, and the same thing is said there that said, it's a demonic attack, a satanic attack. Don't let someone put negative thoughts in your mind. Another one, we can be miserable because we're selfish or self-centered. Selfish or self-centered. The philosophy of the world, he says in verse 8, really addresses that. We don't have time to read it. But we can be miserable because of our own personality, because because of sin in our life. And pride is sin. And uh, we need to be like Christ over in Philippians, where where it says in Philippians chapter 2, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each person esteem others better than themselves. Pride, arrogance can cause misery. Being too self-concerned. Another thing that can cause misery, that I don't know that you find this in Scripture, but I've found it to cause a lot of misery. Buying things you don't need, to impress people that you don't like. How many of us have had the experience of getting ourselves into do, too deep of debt? I'll start to say doo-doo. Uh, too deep of debt. Man, you got to work your way out of that. And it don't happen overnight. you got to be disciplined. you got to stay disciplined. And work. Hey, you're, it doesn't cause immediate misery because we enjoy what we purchase at front at first, but then we get a buyer's remorse because the payments are more detrimental to our spirit than the benefits that we're receiving from. It just gets old, gets hard on us. It causes misery. So discipline is important. 
Now, we need to, we need to not be self-centered, self-pride, but we need to care about the things in the life of others. Another thing, not fellowshipping or spending time with the right people. It's important that you're around the people that take you to a happy place. You know what I'm saying? People that encourage you, people that build you up, people that are neutral with you at least. You can spend too much time in the trenches with the wrong people and that lack of good fellowship with the right people can cause a misery index rise in your life. Too much time away from the right people. Too much time letting other priorities take you away from the real needed priorities in your life. You look at the book of Acts, they continued in the fellowship with other believers and it kept them on the right track. Someone trying to take you out of God's will. You may not know this. You may not realize this. Someone can take you out of the will of God without you knowing it. Just what's going into your mind. You need to guard your mind with all sincerity. Guard your mind that the wrong philosophies or thoughts don't enter in and cause later more misery in your life. You need to look at the book of Acts where they continued in the right fellowship. Another thing, too much division in your life. Too much, can I say it? Too much, too much drama. Drama. You know, David said one time, won't you watch this show with me? I said, honey, all I got to do is walk outside and I get all the drama I want. That's why I want to put a gate there in front of my house and, and you can't get in. Because most of the good people are not looking for me. It's the people of the drama. And, and you know, you, you can deal with a certain amount. It's entertaining if you really get a right attitude. Uh, if you really get a good attitude, drama, you can take a little bit and just process it different. And it can be say, like a, a brother is going to... Uh, kill his sister. You you can enjoy that to a certain level. It's cheaper than buying the fight thing on 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 Directv. You know, it, you just have to get a right mind for it and kind of keep it under control. I have to say that because of liability. <laughs> too much, too much drama. Listen, you know why drama continues in your life because you're a part of it. You're allowing yourself to get involved with it and just resolved, I'm not going to get in this family drama. I'm staying out of it. I'm going to church. I'm, not even, I, I'm just going to avoid it. Drama. And you know what? Let me say this. I'm not making myself look guilty now, but the people in drama will identify drama. Amen. They'll tell you about it. So, Lord, I'm, Lord help me. Now, a summary of all these things that are a part of the misery index is, one, sin in our life causes it. Sin in our life causes it. The wrong philosophies in life cause it. That's in the text in verse 8. And then a lack of purpose or the wrong purpose in life causes it. But what does Colossians 3, 6 and 7 say to us? It says it's simple. Verse 6, as ye have received, Christ Jesus the Lord. How did you receive him? You heard, and by faith you trusted him, right? As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, 
as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Then he says, beware lest someone spoil you. These things that I've been talking about are in verse 8. But I'm going to get to the solution. First of all, as you've received Christ, walk it. Walk it out. Uh, You can't just sit down as a Christian. You can't just park it as a Christian. Oh, I'm saved now. I'm not going to have to do anything else. That's not the that's not the correct. How do we walk it out? That's what I'm. How do we walk as you receive Christ? How do you walk? Let me give you some real simple things. One, you go to church faithfully. You know, I don't think anybody told you that. Why do I think no one told you that? Because you don't do it. You need to go to church faithfully. You need. We need to have the same crowd of people on Sunday night, Wednesday night that we have on Sunday morning. And we don't need to have a big crowd on the first Sunday of the month. You know why people come on the first Sunday of the month? They get their check and they won't pay their tithes. That's wishful thinking on my part, okay? (laughs) But seriously, you need to walk it out. Just don't show up like you're part of an audience. I'm here as a part of the audience, preacher, now I want to be entertained by the music and I want to be entertained. I want that preaching. I want something to be said funny, something encouraging. I want to get something. Don't come to get something. Come because you want to obey Jesus. And it'll all be uphill from there. It'll be all uphill from there. So, you know, go to church faithfully. Take a Bible. Get your Bible. Get your Bible. And take a pen and paper to church with you. Take your Bible and open your Bible to where the preacher preaches at, and you can take notes. I, I have a couple people here that have taken notes uh, on, on my, what I preach, and sometimes when I preach something again, they'll tell me what I'm going to say before I say it. I like that a lot better than people never remember. I did it one time about 10 years ago. I preached a sermon, and I was so, I was so disgusted at that time. You know, you know if you're going to be at the same church for a while, you're going to have to have times that you're disgusted. You mean you've never been disgusted at our church? Wow! Teach me! No, if you're going to stay in the same, just like if you're going to stay in the same marriage, you've got to stay disgusted sometimes. Right? If you don't believe that, just ask my wife. But, but I, I, about 10 years ago, I, I was so disgusted. And what was going People don't listen to what I'm saying. They don't pay attention. And I, I, I was going through that period of time when I said, okay, y'all can listen now. I'm giving the announcements. But I was so disgusted. I preached the same sermon the next Sunday. Had two people come up and say, you preached that recently, didn't you? You ever get frustrated? Hey, you're going to be frustrated in church. You're going to be disappointed. Are you going to have to agree on everything? Are you going to have conflict with people? Absolutely. But what do you do? You just become faithful. Stay faithful. Stay in church faithfully. Take your Bible with you. Take your pen and paper or write in the margin of your Bible and listen and just endure to the end. Oh, man, I I would go to church more, but I don't get anything out of it. You don't get anything out of it because you don't put anything into it. Open your ears. You say, preacher, I don't get anything. Well, maybe you're sitting too far back. Just mark it down. These people on front don't have that feeling. 
They get the whole full bore. Nothing between us but the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there's all kinds of things. Quit listening to these miserable index lies. Now I'll tell you what, when you start going to church faithfully and things start straightening out in your life, you have the tendency to lag back and let up and say, well, you know, I'm doing better. I can just kind of slip away. That's how you get in trouble. You remember the story Jesus said, uh, he told a story about the, the, the woman that swept her house out and got rid of all the evil spirits out of her house, and then they all came, that one came back with seven other worse than him. That's because they, she thought she was doing okay. You've got to be vigilant about your faith. You have to be vigilant about your spiritual growth. You've got to keep reading, keep studying, keep going. And you don't have to go off to semi, uh, seminars to grow. You can just go to church. Faithfully. Take your Bible. Start reading your Bible every day. You know, I, I hear this from time to time. Uh, people will come to me after I preach a sermon and say, Man, I really got something out of that. And they said, I was just reading that. I was just reading about that. Hey, listen, the Christian life was not to be lived without the power of the Holy Spirit and the reading of the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. As newborn babes, 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow by it, grow thereby. Now I'll do that 2 Timothy 2, 15 again. Study, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Get into the word. Get into the preaching. Be faithful to it. Go to church, and, and don't make it, oh, I don't enjoy, I, I don't get anything out of that, and I don't like the singer, I don't like the whatever. I, I, get, get all those, get those, get those things out of your mind and just do it. I've told you all the story before. I'll tell you again, but uh, when I was a kid, we had a guy named Don Klutz. I hope he's with the Lord now. He's a good man, but he was the most boring preacher you can imagine. I remember I was, I was about nine years old when, when he moved away. He got a job being the hospital administrator at Little Rock Baptist Hospital, and I was so thrilled for him to get that job. I said, you don't need to be a preacher. But you know what? I learned so much from that preacher because I listened to him closely because there was nothing else to do when I'm sitting there listening to him. Study to show yourself approved. Pay attention. Learn. And then we need to add our prayer life. We're coming out with new prayer journals in January. A lot of your names are not in that prayer journal. They'll be added. We won't add any vital information about you. Birth, we won't put your birthday on there. We won't put your telephone. Just your name will be in there, and then people can pray for you on a four-week rotation. We'll get you in that prayer journal. Come January, ask for the new prayer journal. But prayer. Jesus taught us often, and Jesus gave us the example of prayer life. He prayed, he, rising up, Mark 135, rising up a great while before day, he went to a certain place, a, it says a solitary place, and there prayed. And we see him on big decision days, we see him spending much time in prayer. And we see him before he went to the cross, 
We see him in the garden praying and having others pray around him. And him praying alone at a certain place. Prayer. You can't live the Christian life without being in uh, association with the church, attending of the church, assembling with the church. You can't live the Christian life without going to church. You cannot live the Christian life without the Word of God. You cannot live the Christian life without prayer being a part of you. You're going to be a misery index. You're going to be a failure if you don't do these things. And when you get a little success, you have the tendency to let up on them. You've got to be faithful. Number four, involve yourself in a small group. I don't know how many we had this morning. We had a great crowd. Praise God that all the people attended. It's so important that you get with a small group and that you get energized by the, that, that, that group, that you feel accountable to that group, that you find fellowship in that group, that you learn the Word of God in that group. It's so important. We have Bible study here in the auditorium, 9.30, every Sunday morning. Come to it. And, and from that, you'll learn the Word of God. From that, you will find fellowship with other people. From that, you'll, you'll, you'll find accountability. So, so important. That's how you fulfill, verse 6, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. What happens? Being rooted, being built up in Him, being established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therewith, therein with thanksgiving. Get involved in the work of the church. Get involved in the work of the church. You can only grow so much without dedicating yourself to be a part of the work, the ongoing work of God through the local church. Now listen, some people have an overriding belief in the universal church. When the Bible talks about the church, it, it speaks potentially of the universal church being assembled in heaven, but it's addressed to local churches all around the world. Read it again if you haven't read it that way. Some people are overly committed to the universal body of Christ where they want to help Christians out here and help Christians out there and then walk away without accountability, without responsibility, without any measuring stick of failure or success. Get involved in a local assembly so you can measure your success, so you can build upon the work of other people. Jesus chose the church, the ecclesia, which is a called out assembly to work through. Get involved in the church. Back to church. Build the church. Give your heart. Listen, Jesus is the groom, right? Who's the bride? The local church. The local church is the bride. Involve yourself. Be, help out. You say, well, I don't know this. Well, you can, you can work in kitchen things. You can work in service things. You can drive a bus. You can witness. You can go out. You can teach Bible class, you can take care of children. There's all kinds of involvements in different levels, and you start at some level, and you ought to grow into another level. Involve yourself. It, how dare us, how dare us to neglect the bride of Christ? If, if you were to die, husband, if you were to die, I, I would hope that we would help out in some way if your wife needs it. Well, Christ died and he went to heaven. He's left his church here on earth. We need to be supportive of his bride. 
man, don't. And by the way, the preacher needs your help, needs your encouragement, needs your backing, needs your strength, needs your prayer, needs your presence. And then I'd say add to that, move into the heart of the church. Don't just be on the outskirts. Don't be on the outskirts. Come on in. You know, there's some great experiences in the heart of the church. I invite you to come in. Come in and be a part of it. You know, I preach a sermon I've got, I haven't done it in years, about the watermelon. How many like the rind? Some people like the rind. Who, are, who is it? Somebody here, they always say, I like the rind. I don't like the rind. I only eat the heart. I share the rest of it. The same is with a church. If you don't like what's going on, maybe you're just on the outside. You might find what you're looking for in the heart of the church. Now, that's how you walk in it. That's how you do it, practically speaking. It's a process of being rooted and grounded. He says in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. I just explained to you how that's done. You start. You start where you are. You start in the process. Now, we need to listen. We need to pay attention. We need to learn. We need to take encouragement and advice. He says, As you have therefore received Christ, Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in Him. So walk ye in Him. Rooted, built up in Him, established in the faith, as you've been taught. And then the last one, abounding with thanksgiving. It's so sad that many Christians, they don't enjoy the journey. The misery index is as high as it can be. Our guy went, I've told this story before. It, it, it's an old story I read an illustration. He, he went on a notion liner from London to, to uh, New York. When he got on the ship, he wouldn't listen to anyone. He never read the brochure about the trip. He just wanted to get to New York. All he wanted to do is get from London to New York. That's all he wanted. He went to his cabin, and he lived alone there in that cabin for the endurance of the trip. Now, he was invited to breakfast by some of the people that worked on the ship, but he refused. And he ate food that he had brought with him, canned food that he would open and eat and endured the whole trip. He was invited to other meals, and he said, no, 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 I, I can't do that. He was invited to the activities on the ship, and he never participated in any of the activities. When the cleaning person came to clean his, uh, his cabinet, oh, don't come into my room, I, I, I don't want you, I'll take care of myself. When he got to New York from his London trip, the porter asked him, sir, did you enjoy, enjoy your trip? He said, enjoy my trip? The trip was made to endure, not to enjoy. Sir, did you enjoy the great foods that we provided? What, what, what are you talking about? Did you participate in any of the recreational activities that we had on board? No, that cost money. He said, sir, it was all provided when you bought your ticket. 
It's all provided when you bought your ticket. It was included in the purchase of the ticket. Let me say something. It's an old, simple illustration. But when you got saved, Jesus paid your ticket. He bought your passport from earth to heaven and the journey in between. If you sit in your cabin and let the misery index control your life, you're, when you get to heaven, you're going to miss out on all the, the great ups and downs and experiences of the Christian life. And it's so sad that many Christians can't enjoy the trip because they don't want, they feel like they got to pay something that's going to cost, that they stay in their little room. Oh, yeah, it'll cost you something to get involved. Yes, it will. But the payment is much greater than the cost. Jesus paid the price of the whole ticket. All expense trip to heaven. Let's enjoy it and put the misery index behind us. Let's bow our heads. Quietly stand to our feet. This all began when Christ died for our sins on the cross. We got that down. He died on the cross for our sins. But let me tell you something, friend. He arose from the grave. He's Lord. He's victorious. And Jesus wants you to enjoy the trip to heaven with him. You got to get out of your little cabin and get involved to enjoy it. Lord, we thank you for each one that's here. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and deal with us. Help us, Lord, to learn from you and lean on you and let you carry the burden for us. And Lord, I pray that today someone will make a commitment to get out of the cabin to enjoy the trip to heaven with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing that out. If you need to come to the altar today, it is open for you to come. Get out of your cabin to enjoy the journey. Let's sing that out. Let's sing one more verse. Let's bow our heads for a minute. I want to speak to you.
I hope the Holy Spirit will intervene. How many today would say, Preacher, I needed to hear that. I need to get out of my cabin. I'm, I'm locked in. I'm not participating in the Christian life, not walking it out as I should. Would you pray for me, Preacher? I see those hands. God bless those hands. And then with that, sometimes we did more of that earlier in our Christian experience and we're doing less now. Don't don't stop. It it will get you in back in the same rut of some other sort maybe, but it will be a rut that you'll get in. Please don't allow that to happen. How how many of us uh, would say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know Christ as my Savior. I want to be saved. Would you lift your hand up? Anybody lift your hand? Amen. I see that hand. I need to be saved. I'm going to pray for you that you'll come to Christ and be born of the Spirit of God. All right. Now, we're getting ready to dismiss, to have lunch today, and everyone's invited. And I want to encourage you uh, to uh, come down and have lunch with us. You say, Preacher, I didn't bring anything. Uh, You don't have to. There'll be plenty to eat. We've got smoked turkey. We've got some ham. got some other good stuff. And Jesus will multiply 